1: I am your host, Vic Jurami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on The Blunt Post with Vic. Later on the show, uh, you will hear my interview with a member of Israel's Knesset, uh, the Honorable
0: Ofer Kasif.
1: I'm your host, Vic Jarami, here uh, with my producer, Ricky Herrera. Good morning, Ricky.
0: Hey, Vic, good morning, man.
1: How are you? I am well, busy with news headlines, too, and things to talk about, uh, starting with Trump, who was expected to surrender himself uh, to the Fulton County Jail <laughs> at the end of uh, the week. They said Thursday or Friday. Now, Trump... Uh, and 18 co-defendants were charged uh, last Monday in connection with the plot to subvert the 2020 election results in Georgia. Just for the record, Trump has now been indicted
0: four times and he faces 91 charges. Yeah, there was a great headline this week. He uh, planned a press conference that was going to he was going to give hard fact Hard information basically to clear why there was no voter fraud. And uh, he canceled the press conference, of course. And some other news on Trump him and his team have, are expected to miss the first Republican debate in a few days uh, on Wednesday. Instead, he is electing to do an interview with Tucker Carlson. Right. not safer. They both kind of had some beef with Fox News, so I, I think they're aligned in a, a lot of ways. That's why but, I said safer because it's going to be a fluff kind of a. Well, let, let fluff let's fest. be let's be honest. I mean, it's just like with Trump's town hall a few months back. I mean, he he will take it over regardless of the network, regardless of the moderator. It it doesn't okay. matter exactly. But right. I think it's interesting that he is. Uh, electing to to skip the debate from what I've read and from what I understand of this it's because he feels safe because he's leading in the polls so I don't think he he feels an obligation to attend the debate uh participate in the debate whatever you want to call it right and
1: risked uh and risk being asked the, an actual question uh, I don't want to uh, say tough question because he's sort of unable to answer pretty much anything
0: I've always thought he's a little lazy in terms of a politician I don't know about in his personal life but I feel like he kind of represents the lazy politician and he probably just doesn't want to probably just doesn't see a need for it um, again he's leading in the polls
1: well of course he's lazy I mean this is I, a like... president that that spent <laughs> more time in Florida while he was president Costing the uh, U.S. taxpayers billions of dollars in, you know, the Secret Service and the flying back and forth uh, than any other president. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, it's a farce. Trump is a farce. It just uh, and it just kept, keeps getting better and better. But let's let's jump to local. Let's talk about local current events, such as uh, Mayor Bass's uh, ongoing. Uh, sort of initiative to address the unhoused in LA, and uh, this latest one is is a proposal to purchase a hotel, Mayor Hotel in downtown LA, by Skid Row. You have
0: some four one one on that. Yeah, well, two things. It actually is an initiative, and the deal is set. Her Inside and Safe initiative. So the LA City Council um, has greenlighted an eighty three million dollar deal to turn. The Mayfair Hotel into housing for the homeless. The Mayfair Hotel is located around Skid Row. The price tag is in, is $83 million. So this was approved. A lot of people are looking at this as a as a win for Karen Bass. You know, over the years we've had a lot of mayors who talk but don't necessarily act. But uh Karen Bass, she's acting. She's been productive, and there are some concerns about about this deal. Obviously, from people who are uh, who opposed it. If I'm correct, it won in a twelve to two vote. Some of the opposers are citing possible issues, uh, safety issues, and in the surrounding area. But hey, housing for the homeless. I I don't see how anyone could be opposed for that. This sh- should have been a fourteen to zero uh, approval but there were two uh, people on the council. I I agree with you. Mayor Mayor Bass has put this
1: on the top of her list, and she's been aggressively um, working at it. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this, that even if she fails at certain times or initiatives, at least she's on it, unlike, as you said, other politicians who've come and gone and, talked and talked and talked and never really did anything um as far as it having safety issues in the location here's the thing a lot of these people are already in that neighborhood and so you know i don't understand why this would be any different i think a hotel being purchased probably renovated would be a good thing and the double-edged sword here is that if you were to buy a hotel in a quote-unquote Safe neighborhood or safer neighborhood, then you're going to get a different type of backlash, right? They're going to say we don't we don't want homeless to be uh, housed in a in a in a hotel so close to our homes or whatever. So there's just really no winning. But I think this is a good idea. The only thing I question, I wonder, is this. Now I don't, I I haven't looked up to see how many rooms Mayor Fair has, but let's just say it has a hundred, right, or maybe 150. Two hundred and ninety-four rooms. Two hundred and ninety-four. Okay, let's just say three hundred. So it will house three hundred people. But when you think about uh LA County having about sixty to seventy thousand homeless and it costs eighty-three million dollars to buy the hotel, of course it's gonna cost a lot to run it, maintenance, all of that. You know, to to really tackle the sixty to seventy thousand, how many and how much more money are we talking about? I mean, that gets kind of um, steep, and I'm not saying that it's it shouldn't happen or we shouldn't spend the money, but uh, it just raises um, questions for me as to like the 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 cost of this in the long term.
0: They're aiming to house people from from skid row, and despite the negative connotations that come with Skid Row and our perceptions of Skid Row. There are residents and, and businesses uh, surrounding Skid Row. And some of those issues they're citing are um, when we talk about unsafe issues or sanitation. And so business owners are are worried about that. This needs to, to start somewhere. Obviously, there's going to be hiccups along the way, but what do these right. business owners want?
1: Right. And what's the alternative? We often... Uh, oftentimes people just uh, criticize without having an alternate uh, suggestion. So uh, all the power to the mayor. There's another thing I want to talk about that has to do with uh, SoCal, our own sort of backyard, if you will, is um, so law enforcement agencies and and also prosecutors uh, around LA County are establishing a task force um, to aim, like aiming to Um, Stop the rising number of flash mob thefts that are targeting retailers. Um, There's been at least four in the last couple of weeks in in Glendale, Canoga Park, Hancock Park. And then on Wednesday, it was at the Gucci store at South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa. Uh, And just to give you a scale of this, The departments or the agencies that are involved are LAPD, L.A. Sheriff, California Highway Patrol, police departments from Glendale, Beverly Hills, Burbank, Santa Monica, FBI, U.S. Marshals, uh, city and county prosecutors, and also the state uh, attorney's office. This has gotten really serious, these these sort of like mob retail thefts where they just kind of storm in, rob and leave. I mean, I can only attribute it to cost of living, and uh, not not to justify it, but cost of living and people, I suppose, getting desperate because we haven't seen anything like this, you know, not not in a like a series of them that we are seeing uh, here. Well, anyway, you know, I do have my interview coming up with uh, uh, Ofer Kasif, who is a member of the Israeli Knesset. Um, but before that, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll listen to my interview. The Blunt Post with Vic.
2: There's a lot to be thankful for. If you're thankful for the old family vehicle, you can let it help one more time by donating it to the KPFK Vehicle Donation Program. The proceeds will help KPFK continue the quality programming you depend on throughout the year. The vehicle donation number is 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-573-5288. Our representative will take care of everything. That number again is 877-KPFK-AUTO. Or donate online at kpfk.org.
0: The Blunt Post with Vic.
1: Ofer Kassif has a bachelor's degree in political science and philosophy from the Hebrew University and a doctorate in political philosophy from the London School of Economics and a postdoctoral fellowship at Columbia University in New York. Uh, Mr. Kassif was a lecturer in the fields of government and politics at the Hebrew University, the Academic College of Tel Aviv, uh, Yafo, and uh, Saper College. Uh, before being elected to Israel's Knesset in 2019. He's a member of the Hadash Party, which means the Democratic Front for Peace and Equality. Good morning, Mr. Kassif. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today?
2: Thank you. I'm fine.
1: With your permission, as we discussed earlier, I will going forward, I will uh, address you as offer if that's okay. That's the best way to do Okay, and you're. Thank you for joining us. By the way, from from uh, Uruguay, where you're vacationing, I believe. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so sure. I'm I'm grateful for that.
2: Um, my pleasure.
1: Yeah. So uh, I've just reading about you um, and some of your recent statements and such. Uh, was very fascinated. I'm grateful for uh, my friend Yaron Weiss for um, sort of letting me know about you and all of that. Uh, I want to start by talking about what's happening in Israel because you know we've all been following the developments um, which started uh, due to the judicial overhaul that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was trying to pass, and I believe that it did pass. And yet there are some protests there. I'm just wondering what that's about. Do they do they um, do they have the objective of overturning this?
2: First of all, I prefer to refer to it as a regime coup rather than as a, a judicial overhaul. Why? <clears throat> because we have to distinguish between the means and the goal. The so-called judicial overhaul is only the means, and therefore it's only the first stage. The goal is actually, the goal goes much further and it's much more dangerous, though the a judicial overhaul is uh, very dangerous at itself, in itself. Now, the, the goal is to turn Israel into a full-fledged fascist dictatorship, simply as that. Now, at least since 1967, when Israel occupied the Palestinian territories, which is the uh, eastern part of Jerusalem and the uh, West Bank and the Gaza Strip, actually Israel has been a dictatorship uh, all the time because there's nothing like alt-democracy. I, it's like a, it's like half pregnancy you know I appreciate but, that
1: it's good uh, to get to get that clarification i'm sorry go ahead
2: yeah so and uh, so there is a military dictatorship a very vicious murderous dictatorship of israel over the palestinians at least since the 1967 because millions of Palestinians, we are talking now between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean, there are about four or five million Palestinians. It's about fifty percents percents of the of the population uh, between the Jordan and the between the river and the sea. And fifty percent among them, uh, most of them live with uh, with no rights, with no citizen, with no basic rights. Not only the right to vote and be elected, which they are they lack. But also freedom of movement, freedom of expression, of demonstration. Just to you know, to to give one example, uh, the uh, the Palestinians in the occupied territories uh, are uh, uh, ordinarily are under the judicial the military system, not the judicial civic system. So, for instance, a Palestinian that goes in the occupied territories to demonstrate, is uh, uh, may get ten years in prison. It is forbidden to demonstrate in the occupied territories. This is just the tip of the iceberg. People are killed. Their houses are demolished. There is a, a continuous ethnic cleansing, which uh, resembles what's going on in uh, in uh, Arsakh, for instance. If we, I suppose, we we're going to talk about it later. There are some resemblances between the Israeli dictatorship over the, the Palestinians and the Azerbaijani uh, crimes against the Armenians, uh, especially in agorno karabakh in Ar in etc. But uh, so the dictatorship is already there, but it began to penetrate into Israel proper, uh, at least in the last seven months. So now the goal of this fascist government, uh, and I would like to be very blunt and very clear with it, this fascist government, there are neo-Nazi components. And I will be very, very clear about it. Neo-Nazi, because if you refer to the so-called uh, Zionist religion party, a re- uh, religious Zionist party, if they existed with the same ideas in, for instance, France, or in the United States, they would have referred to as neo-Nazis because there are no differences between, say, David Duke and uh, Smotrich. They are exactly the same. Uh, Smotrich published a so-called subjugation plan Uh, uh, He published it. It's very very explicit. It's not my interpretation. In 2017, he published a document called the Subjugation Plan, in which he stresses his plans for the Palestinians who live in the occupied territories. It consists of uh, three basic ingredients. First, that Israel must annex the all-Palestinian occupied territories without granting basic rights to the Palestinians. That means, of course, by definition, apartheid. Those among the Palestinians who are not going to accept it silently are, are going to be driven out of their homeland by force if necessary. And those who are going to resist are going to be killed. And this is the goal of the, of the judicial overall. This is the main goal. To annex the Palestinian territories, to turn the to continue the ethnic cleansing that is already uh, uh, carried out by the Israeli government and to uh, materialize this uh, subjugation plan, as it were, of Smotriches. Now, in order to do so, they know they must get rid of the independent judicial system, as well as the free press, freedom of expression and demonstration, etc., etc. So, one has to understand and bear bear in mind bear in mind that the. So-called judicial overall is only one component and the very first stage of a larger and, and deeper plan, which is to turn Israel into a full-fledged, ethnic cleansed uh, Jewish supremacy state. Uh, and uh, basically by driven out uh, and even kill Palestinians who live in the occupied territories, as well as of course to strengthen the discrimination of the Palestinians who live within Israel and those who oppose the regime and the government. And we can see it already in the demonstrations. Those demonstrations you mentioned, the protests, are brilliant. You can see uh, uh, two days ago, it was the 32nd week, consecutive week, of protest in which between 300,000 and 400,000 perhaps more participate every week throughout the country. I have my own, I, we take play, we take, we participate. We, I mean, me and my friends in my party, we uh, normally participate in those demonstrations. But uh, if I have the time, I explain why at the same time we have some criticism of those uh, demonstrations. But. I'll give you the floor to a <laughs> to, to
1: question. Me just, uh, uh, let me just comment real quick. Uh, first of all, thank you for, uh, as you said, I love the the fact that you used the word blunt uh, perspective on on what most of us don't know. And when you were talking about the, the subjugation plan, uh, it sounded so familiar to what Azerbaijan is doing to the Armenians of Artsakh. It's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's really sad. You know, other similarities that I saw when you talked about the, this uh, so-called judicial overhaul as a first step. Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me of George W. Bush's, the, the Patriot Act that he mm-hmm. passed. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was right it after Yeah, it was for, for those listening, Patriot Act that was passed by the Bush administration, the W. Mm-hmm. Bush uh, basically took away a lot of rights from Americans and said, the government, can we can tap into your phones, we can go all through your privacy and do all kinds of things. Uh, and that's kind of haunted us and that's still with us. And that was one of the first things he did in a series of things that took a lot of liberties away from Americans. So that, Absolutely. that, that sounded very familiar. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jerami, and you are listening to my interview with the Honorable Ofer Kasif, a member of Israel's Knesset. And we're speaking about Israel's support of uh, Azerbaijan uh, and its authoritarian regime, uh, which is committing uh, genocide against the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as nagorno Uh Mr. Kasif is against Israel's uh, support of Azerbaijan. I want to ask you something, then we'll talk about uh, Artsakh and your activism. I'm just wondering, uh, because it's so difficult to follow the Israel-Palestine conflict and know where it's at, what's fact, what's fiction, and all of that. I always wonder, Israel being a powerful nation now, why wouldn't it want to allow the Palestinians to have their own state? It just doesn't make sense to me and just put an end to this. And whoever, whatever prime minister, whether it's, uh, you know, Netanyahu or whatnot, just get a Nobel Peace Prize, you know, for why, why is the conflict, why does it have to go on? I know this is a very naive question and it seems like. No, it's
2: not. It's not at all. I tell you my, look, I believe that the roots or the seeds, first of all, I don't, normally I do not use the term conflict because the term conflict assumes a balance or symmetry. There's no balance symmetry like there's none in the Artsakh case or the Armenian versus Azerbaijan case. Hmm. Uh, Israel is like the Goliath, whereas the uh, Palestinians are David, if I uh, use this metaphor. Now, look, uh, Jews and Muslims and Christians and others lived in Palestine for um, ages uh, with no hostility. I do not say that it was, I I do not try to idealize, but uh, there was no hostility or let alone, you know, conflicts or clashes. Of course, not uh, systematic ones. The seeds of the situation is what I call the Zionist invasion to Palestine. Now, what do I mean by that? I do not mean that Jews invaded Palestine because I support free immigration for all. And of course, definitely, I think that Jews are entitled to live like anyone else, wherever they like. The problem is not a problem of a, a entering Palestine, but of taking over Palestine. So people who, who had nothing to do with Palestine, but only in their own minds and beliefs, came from... Say as an example, because that was the beginning of Zionism from Eastern Europe, for instance, from Poland or Russia, or later on from other places. Not in order to live as with good as good neighbors with the indigenous Palestinians. And by the way, Palestinians included Jews as well who lived before Zionism. They were they were referred to as Palestinians as well by the Palestinian National Movement later on. But I uh, put it aside for our uh, discussion. Anyway, they came here, they came there to Palestine with the intention to take over the land from the indigenous Palestinians. And of course, it was only natural and just for the indigenous people to resist. That's the beginning. Now, uh, ever since, you know, things changed in 1948 and the Nakba, which is the catastrophe that the Palestinians suffered from the uh, Zionist uh, uh, military and later on the Israeli uh, military. And and of course the establishment of the state of Israel, things change, Uh, we, my party, myself, we do not uh, oppose the right uh, of Israel to exist as a sovereign state. We do have our own perception as to what kind of state it should be, what should be its character. But that's another issue. But we support the right of Israel to exist because things change. Like, you know, in history, things change. It is true that the beginning of the situation, the invasion of Zionists, to take over the land from the Palestinians was a sin, a crime. But things change, you cannot drive out and when we oppose any idea that uh, says that uh, because Jews are normally descendants of invaders, they should not live in a, in, a, in their land at the moment. Things change, of course. It's like saying that because the white man came across the sea, and, uh, I quote now from a song by Iron Maidens, which I like, and he brought some pain and misery to the, to the indigenous uh, natives. It doesn't mean that now because of that, the white people in America, should have no right to live there. Of course not. So same there, but uh, but uh, uh, the 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 main issue now is the occupation of 1967. The problem is that, uh, and normally you will you would hear those from the who opposed uh, the establishment of an independent Palestinian state, and those who oppose the right or self-determination of the Palestinian people, you would hear mainly two two main arguments, or three main arguments, actually. One is that for security reasons, Israel cannot afford that. That's nonsense. Because what poses risks and danger to uh, the people who live in Israel, Jews, Palestinians, and others, is the continuous occupation, not the other way around. But you would hear that. But that's only an excuse. The real reason is a messianic one, a fundamentalist one, which is represented by Smotrich, Benkvir, and others in the current government more than ever. They believe and argue that God, as it were, promised the land to the Jewish people. And therefore, they are the only ones who are entitled to control the land, some say even to live there as as individuals. And they also, most of them also, uh, in the current government, uh, deny the very existence of a Palestinian people. They say there's nothing like Palestinian people. You see, so they use those excuses. But this is politics. It is, it's about power. Yeah. It's about power and legitimacy. But the problem with the current government more than before, although there was always a problem with governments. None, perhaps, Ma- Rabin's government. You know, Prime Minister Rabin was assassinated by a, 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 a thug like Smotrich and Benvy who supported the assassination. By the way, uh, the, uh, they were in the past they were quite marginal. Now, marginal. Now they dominate and control the government. And my, they don't want the They will. They resist any kind of concession to the Palestinians, as it were. Concession. They deny the rights of the Palestinians to self determination because they fund. They are fundamentalist fascists.
1: That's that's the puzzling question for me. That's always been the puzzling question. And, and my question, actually, to qualify it, um, knowing and understanding history of of Jews through uh, millennia how uh, like Armenians, they were always prosecuted, um, you know, subject to massacres and genocide and uh, pogroms in Russia, and of course, the Holocaust. I understand the the desire to uh, for Jews to have a nation of their own. I totally get that that you're safe. Um, <clears throat> my question has always been, why not give a little bit of a nation next door? to Palestinians and and this suffering for both people. But you just answered it. Thank you for that. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jarami. And you are listening to my interview with the Honorable Ofer Kasif, a member of Israel's Knesset. And we're speaking about Israel's support of uh, Azerbaijan uh, and its authoritarian regime uh, which is committing uh, genocide against the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, Mr. Kasif is against Israel's uh, support of Azerbaijan. Your your passionate and activist nature, as as a as an elected official and politician, has also thankfully we're so grateful for that. You have spoken uh, up for the Armenians of Artsakh, who also have lived uh, in Artsakh for millennia, part of ancient Armenia that was sort of given, it was uh, handed to be an administrative part of, or the administration of it was given to Azerbaijan SSR by Stalin, which started Mm -hmm. a a major problem, and Stalin knew what he was doing. He wanted uh, people in different republics and different peoples around uh, USSR to fight each other so they don't ever uh, unite against uh, the central government, and you've spoken uh, out against it. And the fact that uh, the state of Israel is supporting and has been supporting Azerbaijan with military aid, game-changing
2: weaponry, yeah, and high absolutely. technologies,
1: the drones, the drones, and uh, even training uh, the Azerbaijanis. Uh, how to use them. And it's been very baffling because, you know, uh, Armenians have so much in common with uh, Israelis. And we were sort of kind of taken by surprise that that this is happening. But I'm going to allow you, because you're in the middle of it, to really talk about this and, and what you oppose.
2: Look, it's very unfortunate. But, but if that's the truth. That It's not the first. Unfortunately, I agree. I, I'm afraid it's not, it's not the last case in which Israel cooperates with the bad guys, as it were. Because Israel, for instance, it's it's well known. It's not uh, something that uh, I'm exposing now, you know. Everybody is aware that hey, during the worst years of apartheid in South Africa, you know, uh, probably the one of the only uh, uh, states that cooperated uh, with the apartheid regime in South Africa was Israel. Israel uh, pursued some nuclear uh, experiments with the South African apartheid regime in the late 70s and the in the early 80s and Israel sold sold uh, surveillance uh, systems, you know and the weaponry, to the juntas, to the military dictatorship of Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, where I am now, and some, uh, and some others. And uh, so the same, they, they, they've been doing the same now with uh, Azerbaijan. I call it, you know, uh, a blood thirst pact and uh, between uh, dictatorships and between those who uh, benefit from dictatorships. It's very unfortunate. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, uh, gladly because I'm a, I am have grudge against the Israeli government. I do, but that's not the, the reason that I said that. I said that because that that's what they do, and I have a grudge against the party because that's what they do. But, uh, and by the way, it's not only that Israel has been systematically, and incidentally, not only when they were uh, under such a fascist government like now, in the middle of the '70s, Yitzhak Rabin was prime minister of the, uh, you know, as a member of the Labour Party. That was the peak of the Dirty War in Argentina, the, in the generals' regime in Argentina or, or, or Chile, and the peak of the apartheid system in South Africa. And still under uh, Rabin, Israel cooperated and sold weaponry and technologies to those regimes. So it's not something new, but it's very, very. Uh, uh heartbreaking for me because I want my society I want the world as a whole I consider myself as an internationalist I'm a I'm a, I'm a revolutionary socialist you know so in that sense uh, for me to I'm an internationalist for me uh, the human being human being is the superior is the only supreme value wherever the human being is whoever he, he or she is so for me, uh, it's very heartbreaking, uh, and, and I want my society where I live to be to be a good one. That's my struggle, and I will never give up. You know, and uh, when I when I look at the case, of, you know, of uh, Armenia and Artsakh specifically, and by the way, Israel is not only uh, you know selling uh, weapons and high technologies and game changing weaponry, by the way, to Azerbaijan to the dictatorship in Azerbaijan. Let's not forget who rules there, but it also violates the embargo that was posed by the Organization for Security and Cooperation, OSCE, and uh, by exporting such weapons and technologies. And let's not forget that the firms, very acclaimed, unfortunately, companies in Israel like Elvit, like Israeli uh, Aerospace Industries, uh, like uh, uh, Econautics, uh, uh, I don't remember now exactly the uh, aeronautics, aeronautics, and every day serve all those uh, technologies and weapons under the auspices of the Defense Ministry and Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Israel. That's, as I said, heartbreaking. That's criminal. Let's be very frank. That's criminal. No other way to describe it.
1: Well, I have to make it clear that, one, when it comes to the invasion of Artsakh in 2020 and the ongoing genocidal campaign that's been unleashed on it, the number one aider, facilitator of it is Turkey. So sure. just for those listening, um, it's Turkey. They have,
2: they, have a long, they have a continuous experience yes. in that. It's their, it's their since brotherhood. they all of us one in 25.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and then followed by Russia. You know, Russia has played all three sides, uh, except lately it's just not really playing <laughs> all three sides. It's using Turkey to uh, ward off NATO, and it's using Azerbaijan to launder its oil. Israel's support of uh, Azerbaijan was a surprise. Because, because it wasn't one of the two <laughs> obvious sort of enemies of Arsakh, uh if you will. And, and also, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, selling of weapons and, and all of that. Let's also call out the Biden administration. Now, I'm a Democrat. I voted for President Biden, but I'm deeply, deeply disappointed that after recognizing the Armenian genocide in 2021, after 106 years, a week later he turned around and waived Section nine oh seven of the Freedom Act and gave a hundred million dollars to Azerbaijan for uh so-called military reasons and security reasons and all of that. A nation that doesn't need anyone. Uh it's unfortunate. And it was done again last year. You know, when you're when you're small, you just get kicked around from uh, from from every which side. This is the blunt post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I'm your host Vic jerami and you are listening to my interview with the Honorable Ofer Kasif, a member of Israel's Knesset, and we're speaking about Israel's support of uh, Azerbaijan uh, and its authoritarian regime, uh, which is committing. A genocide against the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as nagarno Uh Mr. Kasif is against Israel's uh, support of Azerbaijan. Let me ask you this before we go. I have actually two questions. One of them is, there's been some movement uh, from you, obviously, uh, speaking out against this. And then I kind of um, helped Rabbi Avidan Friedman, who wrote an article um, about sort of Israel or or calling for Israel to stop its support of Azerbaijan, at least uh, pertaining to uh, Artsakh. And then there was a letter that was signed by uh, many Israeli uh, spiritual leaders, politicians and academics addressing the same thing, including by Israel Charney, who's a well-known activist who's spoken out against this before. Do you think that, or do you see anything uh, changing in, in
2: Israeli policy? Uh, unfortunately not, especially not under this government. First of all, I have to say that I uh, agree with what you said about President Biden, but uh, perhaps as opposed to you, I don't know. Uh, I had no expectations and I look at what's going on in Israel and I see that he perhaps speaks, but he doesn't do anything to prevent the crimes that Israel has been pursuing, not only against the Palestinians, though mainly against them, but also against the citizens of Israel themselves in this carrying uh, carried out a uh, uh, process of dictatorship. But those people you mentioned, I believe that they also were part, like myself, in signing and Uh, You know, struggling against the export of weapons to Myanmar, for instance, or the Philippines, or Bolsonaro in Brazil, or Modi in India, and all those uh, nice guys, yes? Uh, It didn't help. Unfortunately, capitalism drives it. And here my socialist views come in, because they are interested, first and foremost, in uh, profit, They are interested. Uh, Blood is cheaper than money. It's very uh, unfortunate. It's uh, to say the least. (laughs) Uh, But that's, those are the rules of the game. And, uh, but as I said before, we we, we shall never surrender, but we still, uh, it's still a a very long way before we win. I, I believe we will. I believe we will. But it will take time. But we should never give up.
1: And and on what you said, you know, look at the military industrial complex of the US. We we spent two point six trillion in Afghanistan oh. in twenty years. And what do we have yeah. to show for it? Nothing. Offer, before we go, um, my question to you is this because people like you are rare and who my say wife
2: that. says so too. Yeah, that's awesome. The question whether she, she she says it in the in the in the good sense or the bad sense, I'll ask you.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a good sense. and by the way, uh, shout out to your son who's uh, who's in LA right now. I, I mean, it'd be silly to say is it difficult because it clearly is to sort of be um, uh, uh, radical if you will. and I I like the the word radical me too uh, radical It's academics. a compliment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, A lesbian um, activist told me that one time. She said, don't be afraid of being a radical. But of course, in the US, the the right always tries to uh, put a negative connotation on words and say it is bad and left is bad. And, you know, is it really difficult to sort of all the time be the lone or one of the few people who's like speaking or saying things that uh, the rest of the people are
2: not willing to. Look, it is and it is not. It is because there are things I cannot do. For instance, just to give you one example, uh, something like two months ago, I went to the the barber shop and someone tried to enter the the, the shop to attack me. So, and this is uh, just one example. I cannot walk freely on the streets in Israel, for instance. I don't remember the last time I could go out with my wife to watch a film, something like that, you know. Wow. So in that sense, it's not easy at all. I know that uh, I cannot, uh, though I can use it as an excuse not to go shopping. That's a good thing, by the uh. way. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's not easy. But on the other hand, as long as, long as I'm 100% sure and about my uh, stance, It makes it easier. Uh, And I am sure about my stance. I am sure that our struggle, our radicalism is correct. And I'm also quite sure that eventually we will win. I don't know if I will be here to see it, but I'm pretty sure that we will win because there's no other way. As Rosa Luxemburg put it, you know, it is either socialism or barbarism. We reached almost the bottom of barbarism. So I believe that the only solution to human beings uh, at large is to transform society into a socialist, democratic, of course, a socialist democratic societies uh, society. And I believe that will occur. It may be ten years or twenty years from now. Who knows? Perhaps I won't be here to to see it. You know, it reminds me. It reminds me of something that Nelson Mandela said in his trial. He said that uh, something like, I uh, I was struggling for justice and I uh, and I would love to be alive to watch justice wins, but I'm ready to die for achieving that. I endorse that.
1: I like that. Well, we 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 failed at uh, electing Senator Bernie Sanders as our president, but you're young, you never know. Uh, Not that young. <laughs> Well, Prime Minister of Israel, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Is there a question I should have asked that I missed or anything you'd like to add before we leave?
2: The only thing, if I may, is that uh, I hope that many people are watching and many people are listening. Please, uh, the situation of the Palestinian people is worse. the uh, people who lived under apartheid in South Africa or under apartheid in South United States. Uh, Something must be done because it's going to explode and eventually, on top, of course, of the injustice, it's going to uh, cause a huge damage to the whole world. And it is going to explode because people cannot continuously live under such duress, under such terrible oppression. I urge you please do the best you can to put pressure on your administration to stop the occupation and the war crimes against the palestinians and of course the byproduct of this oppression is the is the dictatorship that now materializes within israel i urge you to do the best you can to prevent it because this that, that's crucial that's critical
1: absolutely um, any <clears throat> any shout out to people in artsakh who are essentially starving right now? Any any uh, message of hope for the Armenians? of Sure. Stuff?
2: The same that I said about the Palestinians, say to them, I'm with you. You're not alone. Of course, I'm not the only one. I'm just a, a, a small portion of those who support you. Be strong. And of course, I wish you all the best and I'll do whatever I can. Uh, alas, it's not enough. But I'll do whatever I can to continue and support your struggle for freedom and justice.
1: And I'm sure they're grateful uh, for it, as am, as am I. Ofer, thank you so much for interrupting your your trip. To not my at all. but was a pleasure. Uh, much gratitude to you, and I hope to uh, chat with you again soon.
2: Hope to see you soon. All the best.
1: Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Vic at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you.
0: The Blunt Post with Vic.